And uh, today, actually, we're going to be continuing the series I started last time called Let's Go. And we're going to be talking about Let's Go Together today. So as you can see, you've got a nice image of a, of a rope there, and that's going to come into play as I, I talk. But uh, it's important, um, I think, in not just society, but in church today, especially if you live in the West, in countries like ours, uh, where we are hyper-individualized. Everything's about you. Um, it, there's a definite truth that the gospel, you, you, you can only get saved yourself. You know, you can't get saved because your mommy and daddy were saved. You can't get saved because your family for generations was saved. You, you know, you, you, you can't do that. Only you can get saved, you and the Lord, one-on-one. That's a one-on-one, uh, if you will, event. Okay, but somehow in the church in these days, we've become over-individualized. We've taken it way too far. And uh, where now you have many people, of course, who teach you don't even need to go to church to be a Christian and that you don't need fellowship and things like that. And I think that's a big problem. And in fact, the Bible like, just speaks about that. I mean, we could just use the verse where it basically says, there's literally a verse where if you translate it into modern 21st century English, it's go to church. <laughs> okay, but we'll just leave that aside right now. We're talking about doing things together, doing there's a popular saying in church circles these days about doing life together. I don't, I don't like that one. To me, that's cheesy. But um, it's, it's true that we have to do things together. You know, you read the New Testament. I was reading some guy, and he was talking about how, uh, you know, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that say one another. You ever notice that? You read the New Testament. There's lots of one another gifts. Well, how do you have a one another if there's not many of you? Right? Love one another. Put up with one another. Help one another. Well, it's, everything's taking place in the context of groups, in the context of many people. And, um, you know, there's a... Pete, Paul, in his writings, he often says the word, our Lord. And he almost never says, my Lord. In fact, there's a guy I read online, his name is Matt Smithhurst. hope I pronounced that properly. He counted, thanks to him, he counted. And in the New Testament, Paul, Paul says... Our Lord, 53 times. Do you know how many times he says, my Lord? Once. Okay, even there, there's a lesson that especially the early church understood that while salvation is individual, it's one-on-one, -on -one, there is a group understanding of doing uh, this life of live, following Christ together. Um, you know, the Talmud, I don't know if you know, the, the Jewish scripture, the Talmud teaching says, a man without companions is like the left hand without the right. Okay? So we've been talking about the last few weeks how we are the body of Christ. Remember last time when I started the Let's Go? Can you guys turn me down a tinge? I'm very tinny in this sound. We are the body of Christ. Right? And even as you read, we're talking about the Talmud and, and it's using the left hand and right hand. We read a lot of this verse, you know, that this part of the body can't say to the other party, I don't need you. So there's a fascinating portion of scripture about the body of Christ that we're going to look at to start and get the ball rolling. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, 27, if you can go there. I think I put part of it up. There you go, from 24 beyond. But I'm going to read from before that, okay? It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. Stop. So, I want to just focus on that line right there before we get into this next, the first line. God has put the body together. So who is the one that has brought the church together? God. 
not man, not some special idea we had, not some church, not some organization, not some pastor, not nothing. God put the body together. So people start saying, well, I don't know if we need each other. I don't even know if we have to stick together. Well, God built this, so take that up with him, okay? God put the body together, giving uh, greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. Stop. How much division should there be in the body? None. None. Now, I'm going to say something today, sort of like double barrel. Okay? Uh, anybody who is a Christian, or doesn't even a Christian, knows there are a gajillion types of churches. There are a bajillion types of denominations. There are all sorts of different opinions and things like that. But here the, body's telling, the word is telling us there should be no division. Now, the simple way for me to teach this and to escape any uh, bigger problems is to say, well, I'm just talking about this church. Okay? So for me, in my context, as a pastor here at Transformation Church in Montreal, all I am concerned with is that there's no division here in Transformation Church. And that might even be attainable because, you know, we're not that many people, we're not that big, you know, we can maybe maintain that not division. And that would be a coward's answer to this teaching. Although it's true that as a pastor here, I want no division here. The Bible is actually teaching there should be no division amongst believers. Now, hear what I said. I did not say no division among churches. I said no division amongst believers. And my friends, as you'll find, these are two different things, right? A church that teaches us something that is erroneous and counter-scriptural is not a church of believers. You know, for example, if a church teaches us that Jesus wasn't divine, is that a church? It might say church on the door, right? But people who all agree that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he came to save man from their sins and that he died on the cross and the third day he rose again and that he's coming back for us. Those people should have how much division? How much division? Zero. Yet we're full of it. We're rife of it. And it's almost always because of opinions we have about things that simply do not matter. But we elevate them because of our hyper-individualism to a very high level. And so, yes, at one level, I'm preaching to the church here saying, guys, there should be no division amongst the people of Transformation Church. How much division? None. So that means there should be no backbiting, no backtalking, no gossip, no hate. No, he's doing it wrong, she's doing it wrong, she doesn't do it right, she doesn't do it right. Judging, none of it. How much? None. None. I'm just being sure, because I've been going to church, I'm 43 now, I've been going to church for 43 years, and sometimes there's a bit of those things going on but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Stop. Did you hear that? Equal concern for each other. Now, this is very important for a number of reasons. That means uh, we've got some babies here today. Baby Ellie's here. Baby Josephine is, is here. And I know when after church, now that you know the babies are here, all of you are going to run over and go, ooh. But we have our masks on, so the kids are like, ah, you know. But uh, you're going to want to go see them and talk to them and whatever. And everybody's really uh, all over them, right? Because they're cute and they're new and it's great to meet them. But do you know that spiritually we should have the same concern for them as we do for every other person in the congregation? Do you know that? Do you know that, okay, I'm going to, Fabrizio, I'm going to make you pick somebody at random. Is there anybody, if you look that way, that you don't know the name of? It's okay. You do? Can you tell me who that person is? 
Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to introduce you guys because they're going to be. Cons <laughs> okay. The lady there. Hello. My name is Richard. How are you? No, that lady back there. Hi, how are you? Right. Yes, you. Hi, how are you? Right. So this is Fabrizio, by the way. And so now you know to be equally concerned for each other. Equally concerned as you are, say, for me or Pastor Omri or Gwyneth or Bal. I'm sure you pray for us as, a leader, as leaders of the church, and I thank you for that. <clears throat> but you should know, do you know you should have no more concern for me than you do for these two people here or for the babies? You understand? You see, the Bible is, people talk about democracy being fair. The Bible takes it to a whole nother level. There is no kings and queens. I will say this again, and I'm going to make a t-shirt, I think, one day. No heroes but Jesus. Okay? We have no heroes but Jesus. And we treat everybody with equal concern, respect, honor, love, all of those things. You know, growing up, my best friends were the pastor's kid. I was not a pastor's kid growing up. That happened later when I was almost an adult. And I, I, I remember, just as an example, I mean, it's, it obviously bothered me because it still sticks with me. I remember people would come and go to the stores and they would buy candy for the pastor's kids, and in front of me and the other kids who are friends with the pastor's kid, give it to the pastor's kid and give us nothing. Okay? Because they were showing partiality. And what does the Bible tell us? Never show partiality. Now, I don't blame those pastor's kids. They're actually very dear friends of mine, and we laugh about it to this day. But that's the type of attitude that we should not have if we're truly united and in union with each other. If one part suffers, <clears throat> how much parts suffer? Every part suffers with it. On the other side, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, this is important. Okay? I want to break this down for you. If one part suffers, and trust me, we know there are people in this building right now going through things and suffering. It means that we all participate and help through the suffering. We help take on the suffering. Just like Jesus took suffering on, on the cross, we take on the suffering of other people and help them get through it. Okay? Now listen to the next part. When one part is honored, listen, we rejoice with them. We don't take on any of the honor. We just celebrate it. See, that's kingdom culture. That's kingdom thinking. That's the kingdom of God. You see, when someone's going through a rough time, let me go through the rough time with you. When someone does well, hooray for you. Not let me share in your glory. Let me share in yourself. Nope. We don't do that. You know? It's like, the, it's like the boxing trainer after the boxer wins the fight, and they come and run up, and they hold their hand up like, I, I trained this guy. No one cares. No one cares. He's the guy that did the fighting. Right? So that's the kingdom thinking. We are all equally concerned for each other. We will suffer and help anybody going through that, and we'll celebrate other people's successes. We don't get jealous. We don't demand to be part of it. We enjoy it. So now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. So if you're a Christian, you are inescapably part of the body of Christ. Even those who say, I don't need to be. Our. Our. And that's, we'll talk about that as a problem. So we are literally joined together. So because we're one body, we need to stick together. Can you, losing limbs or losing pieces would not be great, right? All you guys who are getting your expanding ball spots, right? Does it feel great? No. Loretta looks sad. He's like, Sorry, guys, I'm not balding, so I can bug you guys about that, okay? Um, so we need to stick together. So if we're going to go into the world, if we're going to go, we need to go together. 
So let's pause here now that goes to the picture. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 4.12. You want to show it there for me? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly, or other versions say, easily broken. Now, we can dig into this and try to give it all sorts of meaning. Okay, for example, friendship increases your personal safety. Right? Who's ever been somewhere where you're a little bit worried where you are, and then friends show up and you're like, I am now less worried. Right? There's more uh, people here that I can trust and they'll protect me. So there's safety in numbers. There's accountability in numbers. But I don't want to get too, we could get all spiritual and be like, oh yeah, three cord strands, this is like an illusion of the Trinity. And I guess there's some you could, you could do that, but it's literally not saying that. You could talk about, you know, husband and wife, and when they're joined together but have God as the third strand, you know, it, it brings us together and shows we're stronger. And we could do all that stuff, um, but uh, the real perfect illustration of a three-cord rope is simply that three-cord ropes work the best. You see, it's not mystical. Even today, three-cord ropes work the best. Now, how many of you are girl, dad of girls out there? Anybody got, who's, who's got a daughter? Yeah, you Sergio, you new one? Yeah, you guys are new. Uh, have you done a braid yet? No? You're not going to do that well, I promise you. Okay, because most guys, we're not very... How many, ladies, how many strands do you do for braid? Three. Now, when my daughter was little... I maybe braided her hair like once or twice, trying to put it into like a, just to get her out the door, okay? <laughs> to put it in a ponytail. And you're like trying to, but why is it three? Because you have that one down the middle that holds it all together, okay? And it's just, if you will, science. It's by design, okay? Uh, to this day, I read this somewhere, I can't remember where I got a three-ply rope or a plain-laid rope is rivaled only by synthetic ropes, so in the, na- in the natural, the best type of rope is three. Okay, It's the strongest. And so it's just an imagery to tell you that when we stick together, we are better off. Okay? Um, and we need each other for a certain thing. Now, I want to be really sure. I, <laughs> I was searching around and learning, and I, 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 I stopped on this teaching that uh, kind of disturbed me, to be honest. So I want to say this. We need each other not to live your greatest life, not to fill your potential, even as a Christian. It is not our aim or goal to fulfill our greatest human potential. You might say, well, that makes sense. Well, that's quite popular in Christian preaching these days. You know, well, we need, I literally talked to a guy, he said, we need each other so that we can reach our greatest human potential. Frankly, and I mean this sincerely, I couldn't give two cents about my greatest human potential. I don't know why that became a thing, but my human potential is only found in Jesus Christ. We need each other because that's how God intended life to work. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look through a series of scriptures together together today, okay? And we're going to we're going to see why and how that is. Okay, so let's go. Are you ready to go? You really need to stretch because we're going to be looking at a lot of stuff. So if, if you're sore right now, if you're not really into it, or you're not listening to me, you need to stretch. You need to maybe do, uh, you know, I remember, remember Pastor Morris? He used to do this exercise. 
He was a pastor. Apparently this was a thing. Okay, I don't know what it was supposed to do. Get your heart going or something. Uh, get your heart going and whatever, because we're going to go bunch of scriptures. We need each other. Not because it, we're amazing or whatever. It's all, and you'll see, it's all for God's glory. So let's go back to Numbers. Not, not the book of Numbers, but the book of Matthew. It says here, again, I tell you that if two of you agree on anything about earth, about anything, they ask for it to be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I joke about this verse a lot. This is the verse that pastors usually use when nobody shows up to the prayer meeting. It's true. By the way, our next prayer meeting will be the first Saturday of August, and we encourage you all to come. Everybody should be there. See, what happens is when all the people show up, people go, well, at least the Bible tells us where two or three are gathered, he's here, so I guess we should have a prayer meeting anyway, either though we're all related. That's usually how it's used. We need to flip it on its head and understand what kind of power source this verse is. What he's saying is, where two or three of you are in my name, I am there. So anything you ask for, agree upon on earth, it'll be done for them. There's a good word in there, and it's agree. Okay, we're going to see a few of those today. Agreeing on something. You know, there's a lot of things people disagree on. And if you want to know how, just go on the internet. And everybody will tell you about what they disagree about. Very few people are telling you what they agree about. I am much, much less interested in hearing what people disagree about than I am what people agree about. So for example, I am pretty sure, okay, I am pretty sure that I could say everybody in this room agrees that it'd be great if more people came to know Jesus Christ as their savior. We all agree? Right? I'm pretty sure everybody in this room agrees it would be great if we saw people healed and set free from bondages and addictions and all those. We all agree on those things. Mm -hmm. So those are the things we're asking for and we agree for. All the other little theological or doctrinal differences or arguments people can have or whatever, who cares? If we don't agree about it, let's not pray about it. But there's plenty to pray about that we agree about. And so the, the, the idea here is, first of all, prayer. You need to pray with other believers. Okay? And now we've got some math here. He's throwing out a number. This is, right? Jesus saying, yeah, or two or three gather in my name. So what are we doing here this morning? We are gathered in his name. Last time I checked, I'm not a great at math, but I think there's more than two or three people here. So what, ipso facto, what does that mean? If we are gathered... In his name, and there's more than two or three of us, ipso facto, God is here. Not he might be here, I don't know, well, we, we didn't do the worship good enough, and we, had, we know the, the Holy Spirit has to come down. And what, No, there's no, there's no rain dance to call down the Holy Spirit. There's no uh, performance we have to do. There's no special words a preacher has to say. There's nothing like that. I'm not going to take off my jacket and start whipping it around to send the Holy Spirit to your way. He is here and he's here because you're here and he's come with you amen he doesn't live here and then we come visit him on sundays he's not a, he's not a, he's not a stepdad okay he's our dad god is our father and he is here right now that should encourage you all so that by the way that was agree number one let's take first corinthians 1 10 i appeal to you brothers and sisters guess who that is you, us, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, in his name, that all of you agree 
with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Oh, what? So now, agree number two. Again, what about things we don't agree on? Well, then just move on. Who cares? What can we agree on? We just named some of them, right? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that God sent his only son, to, uh, that he should die and, and then raise, be raised again and give us eternal life? Yes. Okay. Do you agree that that message is for the whole world? Yes. Do you agree we should preach that whole message for the whole world? Do you believe God can heal? Yes. Do you believe that we should be praying for that? Yes. Do we believe that God wants to be people reconciled and have relationships healed and have bodies healed and have minds healed? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's pray about those things. We could agree on a whole lot of things. Now, this is, now Paul gets sort of like stunning here, okay? This is what he says. We already covered the no divisions, right? And that sounds sort of like idyllic, doesn't it, right? No divisions, really? Then Paul steps it up and goes, be perfectly united in mind and thought. Can you imagine that? Be perfectly united in mind and thought? How is that even possible? How is that possible? Anybody think that's possible? I submit to you, it's a high standard. It's a high standard that's only possible if we are completely submitted to Jesus Christ. And in fact, it happened before. It happened. Perfect unity in thought and mind. Let's go read it. Acts 4.32. All the believers were one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they have. So now I'm starting to talk, I sound like a communist maybe. Okay? Because now what we're seeing here is the New Testament believers were of one heart and one mind. Why were they of one heart and one mind? Because like a three-strand rope, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity is completely united in mind and thought. And so when you're submitted to God, we too as a people can be completely united. United in mind and thought. Am I like asking you too much here? Am I doing too much here? I'm only asking what the scripture says. It's a challenge to me too. Because listen, there's a lot of people, especially Christians, that, who have certain doctrines and things like that, that I have a hard time putting up with. You know, it's hard for me when Christians tell me, well, God doesn't heal today. He only did that back then. That bothers me. And they still believe Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world and that he died for people's sins and he's coming back. They believe that, but they don't believe God can heal. And so I have to put aside my issue with them that they're dead wrong about healing and pray with them about the other stuff that we do agree on, right? And not let my idea of what's right and what's wrong dictate our relationship. Amen? I feel like everybody's a bit in shell shock right now. You're all sit sitting back and whatever. The bottom line is, the command of Scripture is to be perfectly united in mind and thought. You can't make up something different. You can try your best. Listen, disagreements happen. They're going to happen. But they must always bow the knee to what? The command of Scripture. Find what you agree on and focus on that. More, listen, I've been in church leadership since I was 15 years old. Almost 99% of church leadership disagreements have no substance about anything whatsoever. I was a, share a little inside baseball. There was a, a disagreement that happened. And another leader from a different church 
felt to include me in it. They just copied me in it. As if I was going to say or do something. And I'm just like, don't, don't you get it? I couldn't care. It wasn't about anything important. It had to do with masks and all that garbage. And I was just like, honestly, you really, like, you, you, you serve the risen king, okay? You're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ that can transform lives and transform cities, transform countries, and you want me to get involved in an argument about masks? Go, go argue on Facebook. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Because the command of Scripture is to be united in heart and mind. The New Testament Scripture is so much, so the church was so much united that they shared all of their possessions. Huh? Hello? Oh, hello? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, imagine every paycheck you got was not your own. Just saying. Right? Listen, I'm well compensated, okay, in the work I do. It would be a challenge for me. I know some of you folks out there. I work hard. It's my money. <laughs> I wonder if the Lord calls you to help someone else out, to bring someone alongside and help them out in their time of need or their time of struggle, right? Because let me tell you, all of that, it's my money. It's mine, 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 mine. That's not Christianity. That's Western capitalism. And listen, at times I can be a big fan of capitalism. It's done a lot of good in the world, but it's not the gospel. It's not Christianity. And this whole idea of hyper-individualized, I'm my own person and I'm whatever, that is not Christianity. It has become melded and meshed with Western Christianity. It is not Christianity. Look at what the Bible is telling us here. Perfectly united in mind and thought. Can you imagine a church like that? That church like that today would be called a cult. The New Testament church would get called a cult today. You hear me? It would be. Even we would maybe call it a cult. What do you mean they sold all their houses and pulled all the money together to feed the poor? What are they? Cult? That's what they did. And they were perfectly united in mind and thought. And it wasn't until the church got organized and started appointing bishops and elders that things went crooked. Okay? It wasn't until, it became, until the government said, oh, okay, now everybody's Christian. Then it became a problem. That was a side commentary. Again, guys, words, you guys know I love these words. How many of the believers were in one heart and one mind? All. All. That means the 12-year-olds, the 50-year-olds, and I don't know, there was probably many 80-year-olds back then, but the oldest people around, all of them. They didn't have some splinter group having their own private prayer meeting, praying for the church leadership to wake up and understand what's going on. They didn't have a bunch of teenagers sitting in the back going, these people are all idiots, Ugh. Right? They were all united in mind and heart. No one claimed. How many people strayed from that? No one. But they shared how much? Everything. Oh, but you're so extreme. <laughs> I'm reading the scripture. I'm just I'm literally repeating what the Bible says. Let's keep on going. John 13, 35. By this everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another. So if we love one another, how many people will know? How many? I don't know why. Can you guys not speak anymore? If we love one another, how many people will know? Everyone. Everyone. It doesn't say they're all going to get saved. It just says that they're going to know these are Jesus people. 
Many will get saved, I'm sure. It says they'll know who we belong to. In fact, Jesus prayed this. Um, I'm not sure. Somebody just recently referenced the scripture. John 17, 23 says, I and them and you and me, this is Jesus praying, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed this exact prayer. So what does it mean to love one another? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to dig a little bit as we sprint through here these scriptures, okay, of being united together. <clears throat> so how do we get there? What do we do? All right, Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Okay, some big words here. Let us therefore make every effort. How many efforts should we make? Every. That means never stop trying. Now, I know people sometimes get uh, messed up here because they don't want to hear that faith and effort. But this is not about effort to get saved or effort to earn God's love. That's not what it's talking about here. God's love is given freely. Salvation is free. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to get it. This is talking about staying united and staying, staying in that place of love with each other and one heart and one mind takes work. And anybody, all the married people said, amen. amen. Right? Amen. We had a couple this morning whose child was dipping their clothes in the toilet. And I bet you it caused an argument between the mom and the dad. How much you want to bet? Did it? Did it? See, it did, right? And so that's life, right? And so it takes, it takes effort to go, all right, uh, we're mad about this thing, not that thing. Let's not make it about us. And by the way, you still haven't done the dishwasher. And then you run off, right? It takes effort and marriage. In the same way, uniting people like this, 100, 150, 200 people from all over the world who speak different languages and different economic backgrounds and different social backgrounds and different family traditions, trying to keep us together takes effort. And that's okay because God's going to help us. And what do we focus on? We, we lead, do what leads to peace. That means don't pick fights. Right? And mutual edification. Now, this is important. In marriage, this is equally important. Mutual edification. What that means, that which benefits everyone. Right? Everyone. Not that which just benefits one group of people or one type of people or just the men or just the women or just the, the pastors or whatever. Mutual edification. So, friends, if you're always arguing, you're doing it wrong. Young men, I was like that too, you know, you're always arguing, you're doing it wrong. It will get hard. And sometimes we have to just put up with each other. Right? And that's why we get to this next one. Let's go. Colossians 3, 34, I like this one. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity not just unity like hands across the world remember that remember in the early 80s the, they tried to do like a co-commercial where like the whole world was holding the hands and whatever and, and then there was we are the world and all this stuff and of course it all falls apart every five ten years and they do it again and whatever but this is real unity love despite our differences because of our union in jesus christ is more important than all other factors 
Bear with one another means two different things. It does mean literally put up with one another. Sometimes I'm going to annoy you. Sometimes you annoy me. And you just say, all right, fine. But another way, bearing with one another means help hold each other up in times where you can't stand. You know, there's an Old Testament story where Moses was told he had to keep his arms up with the staff for the battle to go well. And at first it was up and down, up and down. So then two men came alongside and held up, they held up his arms. And sometimes life is like that. Sometimes I'm in a bad spot and you've got to come along and you've got to help me up and bear me up. And sometimes we've got to do the same thing for you and that's okay. We don't say, what's wrong with you? Why are you in a place of weakness? Why did you do something wrong? We say, okay, you're in a bad spot. What you're doing is not good. I'm here alongside you. Let's go. Okay? And then also, when we annoy each other, we just start going, that's it. I've got to find a new church because he's so annoying the way he says that thing and blah, 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 blah. Right? Don't. That's not the way to do it. It's just say, hey, here's good news. Everybody's annoying. <laughs> Did you know that? All of us. Me. I can be king of the annoying people. I don't mind. But guess what? So are you. So that should just get, let us get rid of all of that malice and all of that whatever. But I'm doing it the right way and I'm doing it the right No, you're not. You're annoying. I'm annoying. We're all annoying. Just get over it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things we don't mean. We're going to trip over our words. We're going to do things we don't mean. Whatever. It's going to happen. And we have to learn to put up with each other and just say, okay, all right. And if it's something that really bugs you, you just say, you know, what, like, you know, Sergio, I know, like, all this Italy, 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 you know, okay, whatever, you know, like, right? And then he says to me, whatever, and we have, like, a, we tease each other all the time, right, about this stuff, right? Not a serious thing, but for something serious, you know? And you could bring it to them and just say, listen, you're my brother in Christ, you're my sister in Christ, I just want you to know. But you don't break relationship over it, you don't make it a, a zero sum, well, if you don't change the way you do this, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm not going to have fellowship with you anymore. We don't do that because we put love on all of it. And if God's love led him to go to the cross for us, there's nothing that we can't forgive. Amen? All right, so we keep on going. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud but willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. I'm not sure I have that one. Sorry. Go back. Just go back to the other one because I did not put that one in there. I remember now. So live in harmony with another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. This comes from last week's prophetic word. Last week we had a prophetic word that told us that we must be ready to accept those who by the world are considered unloved, who are considered unpopular, if you will. Those who are on the lower end, uh, the low end treated poorly, etc., etc. We must not be proud. And it's important now. I love this word, and maybe it's, I didn't look at the Hebrew, so forgive me. I'm just going to go based on the English, and the Holy Spirit's guiding me here, hopefully, and helping me out here. It says, be willing to associate with people of low position. You see, it's one thing to be willing to be help people in a low position. It's another thing to associate with them. These are my people. You see? Oh, sure, if you get invited to a big ball and there's a bunch of big wigs there, politicians, athletes, entertainment people, and you're there, and you get to go to one of those things, even if you're not really famous, you're trying to get into pictures with like all the famous people, and you're like, 
right? These are, look at my, these are my, and people oh, you know that person? You were at that thing, and you know that? Can you imagine that you have to have the same heart to those who are considered despised and lowly, addicts, and people who are lost, and people who are hurting, and people who are in trouble, and say, hey, come into my picture. You're my people. I want to associate, I want people to think you're with me. That's what Jesus did. And that, uh, what happened to the people who were religious? Oh, look at Jesus. He's, he's, there's a prostitute at that table. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because the kingdom of God is for them too. You know? Look at all the evil people he's eating with. Well, Jesus said, I didn't come to heal the healthy. I came to heal the sick. Our people are the people that nobody else wants to associate with. These are the people we're going to put our arms around. These people we're going to hug because that's what the gospel is. Because you know what? Once we were that people. Was a great, uh, Tyler was here last night, actually here this morning, sorry, uh, praying, and just, even when he was praying, he was just saying about, you know, God, thank you, you took me from where I am to where I am now, to where I was to where I am now. Thank you for saving me. That's going to be the testimony of people, but we have to be willing to associate with them. Okay? Regardless of what they look like, sound like, their economic background, their social background, their nationality, and the mistakes they're going to make. Right? Good parents don't disown their children because they make dumb mistakes. Right? In the same way, churches don't say, well, I, what do you mean? You said you were a Christian and you went off and you did this bad thing. Okay. It was wrong, but come back in. I want to associate you. You're part of my family. So let's go to Galatians 3, 26, 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, to me, this speaks to putting our identities, whatever they may be, behind our identity as Christ followers. This is particularly uh, touchy in these times, and I could preach maybe a whole preacher, uh, sermon on this, but our identities as um, whatever we are, race, Gender, sexuality, nationality, political ideology, whatever they were, are, they have to come after the fact that we are a Christ follower. See, in this age, everybody wants to separate us based on our categories and our identities. We must resist that as the church. It doesn't mean you lose your identity. Okay? Whatever that is is important to you. But they are secondary and even tertiary, that means third, to being Jesus followers. Okay? So I'm not a whatever slash Christian. I'm a Christian. And everything else that comes after that is just bonus. Okay? So I'm not a Canadian Christian. Or I'm not even a Pentecostal Christian. Or God forbid, a white Christian. I am those things by virtue of where I was born, what I believe in, and the, the, my DNA. But I'm a Christian, and in my relationship with other people, that's all that matters. Position, power, prestige, all of that means nothing. Why? Because at our core, aren't we all the same? You know, the world says, well, we all bleed the same color. Well, at our core, we're all spirit. Do you think they look different? Do you think they sound different? Do you think they care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a conservative or a new Democrat? Do you think that's going to matter? We try, we're talking, yeah, who has had teenagers here before? You know, we've got teenagers, and we're trying to tell them, I know you care so much about grade 9 issues, but in five years you won't care anymore. You won't even remember the names of the people you were in grade 9 with. 
but you can't, it's hard to convince them, right, because they're in the moment. It's the same thing with us. We get so head up with all our identities. It's so important. It's so important. And in, in eternity, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, none of it matters. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12 to 13 says this. Just as a body through one has many parts. We're back to this, okay? We're coming back full circle. It has many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. We're all baptized in one spirit to form one body. Jews, Gentiles, slave, free. This is sort of following on from the last one. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Okay? Jesus doesn't go to different regions and give people different Holy Spirits. Jesus doesn't go, well, this guy's especially skilled. I'm going to give him extra Holy Spirit. You know, it's not olive oil. You know, virgin olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. You know, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit that's the Holy Spirit that fell at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that's inside you right now. There's not some sort of different power level 2,000 years ago that no longer exists. It's the same Holy Spirit. No difference, no change. And it's for everyone, regardless of your background, regardless of your identities. God's Holy Spirit is for you. Going back to the three core rope metaphor, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one keeping it all together. Okay, so now we're coming to the end here. Ephesians 4.16. From him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So again, remember, it starts with Jesus. He is the center of it all. It's his body. He made it. He's running the show. And he's holding it all together. Okay? And love is the virtue over all of it. And each part is doing what? It's work. Now, it's funny when I read this. What does that mean? I always use the same metaphor for you guys, but I'll use it again. How many of you forget you have a pinky toe until you smash it into a floorboard? Eh? Nobody thinks about their pinky toe until you smack it. How many of you forget you have a funny bone until you accidentally hit it? Right? What that means is, what I'm trying to say is, Every part of the body works in the body of Christ. That means everybody does something. Everybody matters. Everybody has a role to play. And as we read at the beginning where it talks about honorable vessels, I don't want to take too much more time, but basically what we think is, oh, that person's only doing such and such, is in an indispensable role in the kingdom of God. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, they get all of the press, as it were, but they matter no more, no more than a church janitor or an old lady who runs a prayer group. Nothing matters more than the other. Or a person who just faithfully comes to church for 60 years and then just, and then just does their thing and is a faithful believer and kind to their neighbors and good to their family and whatever. That's as important in the kingdom of God. I was thinking about all of the roles I knew Joe, baby Josephine would be here today, baby Ellie. So, you know, how many of you think about this when you think about different people in the church and how much they're important? How many of you who are older, by show of hands, appreciate the smile of a baby? Put up a hand if you're like, oh, man, I love it when babies smile. So do you know that right now all those babies, they're ministering to the church? Did you know that? They are. Now, they're not, it's not Pastor Jojo and Pastor Ellie, Okay but they're ministering to the church. They are spreading joy and love just by virtue of doing what babies do. You know what? It's equally amazing. Crying babies. 
I want to remind you of this. Crying babies means life. You know, what's the first sign of the baby's here, right? The velociraptor shriek that they do when they come out, right? They sound like the dinosaurs when they go, right? And you know they're alive. And so I'll tell you as a pastor, by the way, we don't care if your baby's crying in church because that means there's life in the church. That means there's something happening. How about the unbridled joy of a seven-year-old running around your church? Sure, you're like, oh, don't hit the instruments, you know? But how many of you would feel worse if you didn't have kids running around and doing the things that kids do, ruining the water fountain and knocking over coffee cups? That's life. How about snarky teenagers? Right? Don't they keep you humble? Don't they ask questions sometimes that you're uncomfortable with because they're thinking the thing that you've tried to, oh, I'm just not, I get, and they just, well, how come, wait a second, mom, if you say you're a Christian, how come you do this? And you're like, Ugh. right? But we need them. That's a ministry. Now, sometimes they need to be told to watch their mouth. That's one thing. But man, we need kids like that. Amen? How about the go get them attitudes of young adults? as they're finding their, their jobs and they're getting their degrees and they're trying to find their ministries and they're like, they seem to have like boundless energy. They're like on the internet one minute and they're doing like a YouTube thing the next minute and then they're at church and then they're at work and then they're whatever, like whatever. Wow, do you remember those days? Hey, we need those people. You know, they learn things super fast. They teach us how to use technology, all those sort of things. Or how about this one? I've been seeing it a lot lately. Like how about the lovey-dovey uh, love of newlyweds or people who are engaged who still hold hands during church? Do you you ever see those people? You know, some of you were like, yeah, right? But, you know, you need those people. Isn't that great to see? Hey, love exists. That true love exists. Amen? Val always holds my hand in church. So. How, how about this? I'm, I'm going to look over at Patrick here. How about the bleary-eyed, spit-up, stained shirts of new parents who, despite the many challenges, are bringing their kids to church? Amen? Amen? Right? There's nothing like a good yellow spit-up spit stain right before you leave for church. You know? But that's the family of God that we need. Amen? To be celebrated. How about, how about middle-aged people like me? Right? I hate to say it, but I am. And often we are the bridge between one generation and the next. And often we carry the bulk of responsibilities in our time. The church needs people like that. Amen? How about... I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm being careful with my words. How about seasoned, you like that word? <laughs> seasoned leadership and confidence of retirees, who my sister will be joining soon. She's here today. That's how old she is. <laughs> okay. The seasoned leadership and confidence of retirees who shift their focus to equipping and encouraging the generations to come. They're still active. They're still doing something. But the, it, it's not a me focus. It's always a who's next. What can I do to happen next? How about this for the next group? The well-earned wisdom of the elderly who are living testimonies to the goodness and faithfulness of God. Amen? We need everybody doing everything. There's that saying, where we go one, we go all. We go together. So let's go together knowing that we are the body of Christ. We all need each other. We're all here to celebrate with each other, help each other through problems, help each other through times, uh, tough times. We're here, and it's the body of Christ. So God is the one over it all. So I wonder if you're going to do, we're going to sort of act something out. Could you stand with me just for a couple minutes? Because remember the promise of the scripture was, um, 
where two or three gather in my name, whatever they ask, I will do it. Do you remember that part? Right? And we have more than two and three, so we know God is here. Okay, so we're going to ask God for some things today. Amen? Hope you're ready for that. We're going to ask God to help us as a church, one, to be united. i gotta, I got to be honest. Can you all close your eyes? Because people tend to tell the truth more when they have their eyes closed. Okay? I'm going to ask it in a funny way. Keep your eyes closed. How many of you think it's really tough, it's really hard to believe that a church can be, can have zero division? Put up your hand if you think that's, really, that's a tough challenge, to have zero division, right? It's okay to be honest, right? Okay, that's good. So we're going to pray that God helps us to become a church that has no division. You say, oh, Richard, that sounds crazy. It's in the Bible. So I believe it can be done. Amen? And not just this church, but other churches. And not just churches that belong to the same group as us, but all churches. Amen? We're going to pray for that, that, that unity and that, that love between us all. We're going to pray for people in the church who are in need, who are suffering, all different sorts of things that they're gonna, we're going to suffer with them and, 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 and see them through it. Amen? We're going to pray for people who are in our family circles and our contacts who need to know the Lord Jesus Christ that don't know him, that they're going to come to know him. Amen? And we're all going to do this together. So I wonder if you're comfortable, raise your hands to heaven. We're going to pray together, and we're just going to get ready. Okay, so now comes the part where I've been talking for 40 minutes, and everybody's heard me enough. Okay, so I'm going to ask, is, I think I saw Bupe. Did I see Bupe here? Bupe, come on up here for a second. Patrick, would you come up, up out here a second on this side? Yeah, Patrick, yeah. I'm going to try and keep the social distancing uh, thing going. So Bupe, if you don't mind just going over there. Patrick, if you don't mind going over there. Okay, and I'm going to ask you guys just to pray. Okay, because I've done enough talking. I'm going to ask Bupe to go first. And just pray over all the things we've been talking about. Amen. Amen. Father God, we want to thank you today. Father God, we want to thank you today for bringing us together in your body, uh, as a body, Lord Jesus Christ, that we just are so grateful that we're able to be with each other, even after being separated for some time, Lord, that we know that our hearts were, were united in, in you and that your Holy Spirit was keeping us um, keeping us in your, in your keeping us united and keeping us together, Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to thank you for always being faithful to us, Lord Jesus Christ, even when, even when we may have felt isolated, even when we may have felt alone, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have always been a friend to us and that you continue to guide us and you continue to encourage us. And Lord, we just want to um, dedicate this time to those who, who need to know you, Lord Jesus Christ, for those who are still far away from you, Lord, in spirit, and who, who are still seeking and who are still looking for truth, who are still looking for purpose, who are still looking for life, Lord Jesus. They may be our friends, they may be our family members, they may be our coworkers, our colleagues, Lord Jesus Christ, and maybe the people in the grocery stores, and maybe, Lord, there's so many people out there that are hungry for the truth, that are hungry for purpose, and they're hungry to, to know, uh, to have a relationship, Lord Jesus, that tra that transcends just the, the day-to-day -day, um, mundane of things. So we just wanna, we wanna pray on their behalf right now, Lord Jesus, and we just wanna pray as well that you may help us to be, people who hear who hear and listen, and that Lord, even when we have those encounters with people out in our day-to-day -day activities, that you may help us to be attuned to you so that we may be able to speak life to them, O oh Lord Jesus. Because we know, Lord, that if our hearts are softened and, and open to you, that you will guide us and you'll show us whom we need to speak to and whom we, whom, we, whom we need to minister to, Lord Jesus. And we know that you'll give us the words to speak at the right time. So we want to thank you for that, Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord, for life and for health once again. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are always with us. We thank you, Lord, for the cord 
our three strands that will never be broken, that your, your Holy Spirit is going to continue to unite us and continue to strengthen this, uh, this church and this body, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the, the encouragement and the word saying that we, every single person here is important. Everybody here has a purpose. Everybody here um, has um, a ministry, Lord Jesus. It doesn't have to be loud or it doesn't have to be extravagant, but Lord, you are working through each and every one of us from young to old. And we want to thank you, Lord, for that, for that honor and for that privilege to be in your presence even right now, Lord. We thank you and glorify your precious name. Amen. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come together as a family, as children, honoring their father. Amen. On this Sunday, Lord, we just, we just uh, are, are, are delight in your presence, Lord. I want to speak to what Rich told, sp spoke, of, uh, spoke uh, of, Lord, regarding uh, division. The enemy always tried to divide the church. Uh, through all sorts of my, uh, useless or mindless disagreements or, or, or uh, types of things, Lord, that don't, doesn't really matter, Lord. We pray that you help us uh, be of one mind, of put aside, Lord God, our differences. And as Rich said, pray about the things we agree with in, in one accord, Lord. And we know as we do this, Lord, we will be heard. And we just thank you also for the opportunity, Lord, as we come to get, we came together uh, yesterday, Lord, to pray with one accord. You know, we know, Lord, that you invite us. We, you invite us to pray together, to come before the throne of grace, pray together. We know we are heard when we come together, and it's a, a greatest opportunity, Lord. That we should we should we should never miss, Lord, to come together and just uh, pray and 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 and, and uh, tell you, Lord, our our needs, but especially, Lord, to pray according to your will. And so we just thank you for everything, Lord. And we always we are always blessed uh, every Sunday to come together and hear the word of God. We know, Lord, that you speak you speak through our pastors, and we pray indeed, Lord, that you will anoint them. Uh, uh, even more that you will, they will uh, be able to really know uh, what to what to preach, but also that they will be uh, that they will be a voice that they will be uh, a, a a voice that you use to speak to us. So we just bless you again. We pray a blessing for everybody uh, in this church and all those who couldn't make it today and we just thank you again for everything we adore you we love you in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. so we're going to do this together amen and we're going to celebrate together as well uh, so i hope you have a fantastic week uh you know it's the summer's heading up so don't forget about church you want to share something okay just real quick don't forget um we're talking about rejoicing uh, Val was just remembering me about the baby shower for, for Jasmine. Uh, she's the superstar right there in the middle. And it will be July 17th, so see Val if you've got any questions about that, okay? Just want to read a scripture. Everything that Pastor Richard's been sharing about, um, there's going to be a day when we will realize that none of those divisions mattered. And I'm going to read from uh, Revelation chapter 7. In verse 9, and he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, 
and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with white palms, with palms, branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's what it's all about, folks. And one day, <laughs> one day, it says, a multitude from every nation, all nations have different opinions, but one day there's going to be a company from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, praising and worshiping the Lord together. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I want, I want to ask you, is that possible right now? I think God wants us to practice that right now. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. So I, I just felt that uh, I wanted to share it as Pastor Rich was talking about it. It's going to be one day we're all going to be one. <laughs> With one, one thing, only doing one thing, and that is praising and worshiping the Lord. So why not start practicing it right now? <laughs> Amen. Lord bless you. Amen.